0: recorded in a secret cave in the heart of Death Mountain. It's the RF Generation Nation podcast, number one. We're your hosts, I'm Jess, you can find me on the forums as Slacker, and we've got a great little show here that, well, at least I know I, have put minutes into preparation.
1: I'm your co-host, uh, Adam, you can find me as VicMan2K on the forums, and let's give this a whirl.
0: Alright, we've got a little bit of snippets of gaming news up here. A new game mechanic was announced for Final Fantasy 14 that actually drops the amount of experience points earned after a set amount of playtime, and it's got fans pretty ticked off. Basically the idea is you end up playing for, say, more than eight hours a week and it's going to start leveling off how much experience points you get, and the director's idea behind this was basically that uh, people were getting into game fatigue and needed some time off, and it's got people pretty ticked off. You know, you're basically paying 15 bucks a month, and they're telling you, you can only play this game X amount per week.
1: Any kind of a limitation that you put onto, especially a game that you're paying a monthly fee for, is pretty uh, poor business practice, in my opinion. At any point to limit what a player can do, if a player wants to grind up to be the highest level in the game, that's up to them. You know, that's how they want to spend their time, is just grinding up and getting experience points. But, by having other jobs and things like that, you can certainly find other ways to enjoy the game, and that may be what they're also trying to do is to find other than just grinding to get experience points. you may be trying to get the players involved in other aspects of the game.
0: I understand they're trying to do something different. A lot of people complained that eleven was basically a reskinning of EverQuest, which I kind of agreed with. but you know to compete with "Wow, you gotta mix up the formula because if you just come out with "Wow" with a different reskin," you know it's not gonna really go very far, so we'll. Yeah, you know, give it time, see how it works. You know there's going to be a million people on it either way. Up next, we've got GameStop's Store of the Future. This is a, basically a redesign of their stores that they're coming out with, where there's going to be web-connected PCs, and they're going to have downloadable Flash games and large touchscreen displays that you can get information and then buy downloadable content. And they've actually already rolled out, uh, universally, their new power-up program where you get points on a little virtual account for all of your trade-ins, and when you buy stuff and when you reserve stuff, and then you got those virtual points. You kind of use them like airline miles where you get deals and you can print out coupons and that kind of stuff. This one's really going back and forth on the forums where some people say, well, that's kind of neat that they're actually giving you more incentive than what they had before. You know, it used to be just that little discount card with 10% either way, but... On the other hand, you got a lot of people saying, yeah, this is just, you know, like Blockbuster, the big behemoth that couldn't compete with Netflix. They're just basically, their old business model is fading out, and they're kind of grasping at straws to be able to survive.
1: I think that, to me, GameStop is trying to compete with the Walmarts, Targets, and everybody else who are now offering pre-order bonuses with their games. Sometimes they are, you know, they're obviously different pre-order bonuses than what GameStop has. They can be discounts on other games, discounts on accessories, discounts on that game itself by having it cheaper, it also allows them to compete with the Best Buys that have reward zone points where you do earn points toward a $5 gift certificate. However long it takes to get that $5 certificate, you're still earning towards something. And for GameStop to compete with a Best Buy for something like that, it seems like that's the market they're trying to head off is that Best Buy reward points.
0: Yeah, it, it, on one hand, I don't really want to be you know, the game's top defender, but it is nice that they're <laughs> at least giving out one more thing, you know, because right now, this is just added on top of what that other card did for you. Absolutely. You know, th- most people are just going to tell you, look, you know, you're going to be able to get a, a better deal that's not going to be a scratched game, and it's going to have all the original artwork and cover stuff if you actually just shop online at, you know, a million other places. Sure. But then again, I'm also one of those people that, uh, any, this is another one of those big, hotly debated things on the web, typically you end up hearing all sorts of complaints about how, look, all this stuff is going to go by the wayside. In another five to ten years, we're going to have complete digital downloads, and that's where we're going to, all the consoles, computers, and everything is going to go, and you know, you're know you not going to have a brick and mortar like this anymore. And I think that's kind of ignoring the slow adoption rate that this kind of tech typically gets. I know people that are still on dial-up, and that's just hard for you know your typical maybe Kotaku or Joystick Editor to remember but you know we don't all live in this, these places with broadband penetration so I think it's still going to be quite a few more years out I mean we still got a ways to go before HD is you know considered universal it's the standard now but you know it's going to be another 10-15 years before every grandma has one and in uh, a story that probably shouldn't be as comical to me as it kinda comes across is that uh, Capcom's senior PR manager Melody Pfeiffer recently uh, in, in an interview with Game of said that, that uh, they were going to be a lot more careful about the racism element in their game since uh, Resident Evil 5, basically because of the big uproar they had with, you know, despite having a African-American protagonist, i.e. a really cool hot chick, they still ended up, you know, basically blowing away a, a bunch of black folk in the game, and I can kind of see, in a sense, a criticism there, but then again, this is something that, it's a lot different from the outside looking in. I mean, us gamers, we, you know, how many Germans did we mow down in, Medal of Honor, and you, know, you, you go all the way back down to Nintendo. I, there's always that pervasive element of violence against whatever the game declares, you know, a vast enemy. And now that we've got photorealistic quote unquote graphics, you know, we're going to keep on seeing these kind of political firestorms. But uh, you know, I, I think that a lot of people played through Resident Evil and didn't think about it until somebody brought it up and said, "Hey, do you realize you're basically genociding an African nation?"
1: To have to. ...put out a statement like that at all is pretty ridiculous to me. They weren't blatantly being racist, saying, Hey, come kill a bunch of black folks. It's, you know, it's a game, it's where it's set, it's based on the people that are living in that area. It's all kind of ridiculous to me. People, you know, super PC, trying to, uh, you know, please everybody... You're just not going to get that, especially when you have a protagonist and an antagonist in the game. There's always going to be somebody mad unless it's a cartoon character, or, you know, whether it's Mario and Goombas, or it's Mafia 2 and Goombas.
0: I was recently criticized for its uh, Italian element. Absolutely,
1: it as well. that's, that's, that's exactly what I mean. You know, it's not a bunch of Irish people that are portrayed as being mobsters. It's the Italians. That's who it is, and the game is called Mafia.
0: Which is an Italian word.
1: It's just ridiculous what they're doing.
0: Well, this is kind of one of the elements we have to put up with, in a sense, now that uh, gaming's mainstream, because even though we've, the mass media's been watching violent movies for decades and decades and decades now, and, and there's plenty of movies that have these exact same elements, but because video games are still considered kind of a, you know an infantile media, you know, we're going to keep on getting as it grows, we're going to get more criticism about the actual content. And, you know, there, there is a, a slightly different argument about the interactive nature of the media. I mean, it's not a passive, you're just watching this kind of thing. You know, you're actually uh, you know, actually interacting with it. There was a movie just a couple of years ago called Funny Games, where it was, it was a graphically horrific movie. Um, I didn't actually enjoy it myself, but there was uh, kind of a, a, almost a, where the director tried to play with an interactive moment. Like, you know, these characters were doing horrific things to this, uh, you know, innocent family, and then they'd actually kind of turn, you know, the, these people who were torturing would actually turn to the screen and kind of, like, look at, you know, the viewer as in a, hey, you know, you're actually part of this, sure. you're, you're watching this, you know. And, the, you know, the movie was was panned for that, and you had some criticism, but you didn't have nearly the kind of backlash where you say, you know, the, the director had to go and get a PR agent and say look, this was, you know, we apologize for this, this was just in context kind of thing. I was just pointing out how when you watch violence, you're actually kind of in a sense participating in it because you're sitting there observing it, you know, because video games are still a new media. I think that, you know, there's a, there's a different argument to be had about video games interactivity and, you know, about the perpetuating violence aspect. But it's interesting to me, too, that, you know, we're and this has been a common complaint, we're not all judged by the same standards with our media, you know, sure. with, with music, with with movies, and so... Because, you know, it's almost like video games have to prove themselves by hiring these PR agents and saying, no, no, look, it's not all that bad. Every single person you shoot in this game is either running at you with a knife, a gun, or spewing some kind of bizarre tentacles that are going to kill you if you don't do something about it. You know, you, you flip the coin. You, you look at the Call of Duty where you had the airport scene and you were gunning down... I mean, those were innocent people in the context of the game. You know, you weren't actually some savior of humanity who were trying to, you know... <laughs> you catch so people. In, not, you're not catching
1: people in friendly fire. You're firing down on innocent people trying to run away.
0: Yeah, and what a lot of people miss about Modern Warfare Two when that when that actually, you know, they had that scene where you'd gun down those innocent people and how you're supposed to be a covered agent and you were supposed to be you know with the terrorists just long enough to be able to give intel back, you know, so you were supposed to still be the hero. But you flip it over, whenever, you know, that was the only scene you play as kind of a pseudo-bad guy, the rest of the game, whenever you shot one of your own people or you shot a civilian, you, you were penalized for it, to the point of if you if you killed one of your own teammates, you, you know, you had to restart the game. So, you know, the game was actually trying to keep in context of its own violence, as you know, as horrific as it still can be in a, in a game like that. So, you know, no, you didn't hear anybody say that, well, when you're playing as one of the Americans and you shoot, you know, one of your teammates, when you have friendly fire, you know, the, the game will penalize you for that. So, right. you know, that's something we're going to see more of it, it's something that everyone's going to have an opinion of, and sometimes you're going to see censorship, and then you're going to see another game push the horizon further and see, you know, see where it goes. New releases for, the, for this week include Camp Rock, The Final Jam for DS, The Bachelor, Guilty Party, Martian Panic, and the highly anticipated Mommy Simulator, Metroid, Other M for the Wii, Ace Combat, Joint Assault, and Valkyria Chronicles 2 for the PSP, And my pick of the week, it's got to go with, uh, M-O-M. Samus just gets hotter when you think of her as a surrogate parent to a life-sucking jellyfish.
1: That's to be my pick as well. Ever since E3, I have been extremely excited about Metroid Other M. It looks like Team Ninja is going to do a great job with it. You know, you got some first person, some third person, and that kind of a mechanic. I'm, I'm just imagining, you know, Ninja Gaiden with a chick and a giant gun. And I really hope it lives up to all my expectations.
0: I agree. I haven't really been disappointed with any of the Metroid games yet, and I think this one is kind of like, in a way, it's as risky as the Prime Trilogy originally was, taking the 2D series into 3D, but you know, they're, they're taking some risks, and it has the potential to pay off as much. It also has the potential to disappoint, but either way, just for the fact that they've got really high production values, and after you finish it, you can actually watch a two-hour movie version of what you just played through, and it's going to have an actual infused narrative with the actual canon story, Yeah, just for that alone, I think I'm going to definitely check it out. And we're going to finish up here with a top five signs you've been waiting too long for the RF Generation Nation podcast. Here we go, number five. Marriott guy got tired of waiting, sold off his collection in frustration. Number four. You've been around long enough to see Nintendo actually release another 3D system. This one only hurts the eyes of the people not staring directly in front of it. I think they got that backwards with the Virtual Boy. Number three. Now uh, we first introduced it as the Walkman cast. Number two, our original goal was to provide commentary over the X-Band modem. And the number one sign, you've been waiting too long for the RF Generation Nation podcast? You remember when clicking on Collection Tools just opened up Microsoft Notepad. Well, that wraps up our debut RF Generation Nation podcast. We hope you've enjoyed our little rants, and that you'll continue to support our little corner of the vast intertubes. This program has been brought to you by the Greek Letter Alpha and the number 434. If you have any questions, comments, queries, posters, or topic suggestions, feel free to visit our forums and let us know.
1: In the meantime, don't forget to keep it on Channel 3.